You're listening to Once, episode 270, Heartless. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Heather Ordover. And we love this episode. Well, let me yes. let me say <laughs> differently. I love this episode. I just felt like we as in the community, the world, everybody loves this episode. Everybody loves but it. But let me ask you, Jeremy and Heather, both, what did you think of this episode since you weren't in initial reactions? I slash we loved this episode. I I concur. <laughs> I've seen from the community uh, several people saying best episode of the season, best episode in the last couple seasons. Yeah. Among the top episodes ever yeah. for Once Upon a Time. I, I certainly agree with many of these sentiments. So here here's something that happened. I didn't get to watch it on Sunday night when it aired. But I did see a two-minute preview, which turned out to be basically the first two minutes. So the scene that we'll maybe not be starting out with, but the scene that started out the episode in the forest with the evil queen Mm -hmm. and snow. And so I watched it then, and that got me excited. And then I I kept not quite getting time to watch the episode, but I watched the beginning. And so I watched it there. But when I sat down to watch it all the way through... I watched that part again. I watched the whole beginning again because it was just so good. That hasn't yeah. it, it hasn't been quite to that level for me for a long time where there was a scene that I just didn't mind seeing kind of over and over again because there were just so many little details and things that were so good. Absolutely. I felt that about more the end of this. I mean, the dialogue, yeah, throughout excellent the the kicker at the end of the episode so let's get into this to discuss this in depth and before we do if you want to comment and continue this discussion or share this episode out get the screenshots any of the links we mentioned anything like that then go to the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 270 and please share this episode out with your friends as well that's at oncepodcast.com slash 270 let's start in the past with Uh, Well, we get to see Snow White at some point in her running around trying to raise money to be able to leave. Heather, what did you think about Snow here? I I thought it was the one and and really the only false step in the the writing because I thought she's, she's the princess. The chances of her not being noticed or recognized by someone in the nobility seemed like a, a mistake that she's she's just not that dumb. And I understood why they needed to do it for, for moving the plot along, but that that was my only place where I went, oh, really? <laughs> but I, I forgave her for that. It was okay in the long run. Plus with the posters everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> little little giveaway. <laughs> it's true. And I, I thought that guy would come mm-hmm. up later. He was so... Dripping with villainy. Yeah. Yeah. And suspicion. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure he knew exactly who she was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
before she started talking. Yeah. Yeah, I got that too. Oh, what's the princess doing trying to sell me something? Hey, I know. I could get this really valuable thing for only <laughs> three pieces. And then I can go tell all my friends, hey, guess who I got this from? Uh, and I cheated her. Because uh. <laughs> he looks like that kind of guy. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, we get to meet Timmy and Lassie. <laughs> I, I love that in your notes. <laughs> Jimmy's down a well. <laughs> I don't know that we've ever heard about David's dog before. Certainly we've never yeah. met the dog or seen the dog. But had we even heard about the dog mentioned? I couldn't recall anywhere else. Probably not. I don't remember it. No. No. It's an interesting name, though. Yeah, will be. It yeah. begs for puns. <laughs> we'll be okay, because we have will be. <laughs> we'll be right back. <gasps> we'll be, will be. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be finding sheep. <laughs> it would be great if you saw we'll be right before each commercial break, because then it could be the we'll be right back. <laughs> I like that. It telegraphs when you've got a, a chance to get up and get a drink of water. <laughs> no, but I saw I, I was out searching for uh, documentation on all of the things, the little funky things that showed up in the episode. And this actually does have he has a reason for being named Wilby. What's that? The Shaggy Dog movie nice. from the 70s, the Disney film. What? But it also made me wonder if he's going to get used as a Shaggy Dog, as in a Shaggy Dog story, where he winds up being kind of a MacGuffin at some point. I don't know. But I, it would be a good use. I could see that happening because, so if we see Will be looking um, normal and well-groomed here and then Shaggy later, that would be consistent with David's timeline. Because he had a pretty normal haircut here, but we definitely saw him shaggier later. Well, okay, so the timeline thing, I think this timeline, we're not going to spend, don't worry, don't skip forward 15 <laughs> minutes. We're not going to spend so much time on the timeline this time. That's what you think. <laughs> but uh, the timeline here is a lot easier. Remember what happened in season four, uh, season four, episode two was white out. That's when we saw Anna was the one who taught David how to stand up for himself and how to try to use a sword against Bo Peep. Totally forgot about all that. That's when he had long because hair. Because Bo Peep. Yeah. But that was all, I think, much more before this. But the first time we saw David David in a flashback, maybe not the first time, but the first time we saw him as a farmer, mm -hmm. a shepherd, rather, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> he had kind of shaggy hair, I think. Are you talking about when he had the long hair and that was the episode where Elsa taught him or not Elsa? I'm talking about way much farther back when we found out that he was a twin. Uh, you're talking about like season one? I'm talking about, yeah, like episode six. Well, that timeline wise, I didn't think he was shaggy then. I thought he had normal, yeah, slightly different hairstyle. Because, but. Like, it was James got slightly. killed and we were all like, oh my gosh, how did he get killed in the past if he's still alive? And then, and then we found out that was another. Mm -hmm. Right. Dun, dun, da, da. Yeah, I, I didn't really look at his hairstyle in that episode to compare it to this episode, but the events of this episode and the f flashbacks do happen maybe a few months before the mm -hmm. events of that episode and all of that. Because jumping later into the episode, when Snow mentions that a corrupt nobleman mm -hmm. travels on this path, when I first heard that, I thought, oh, David should know that is him. But then I realized, no, wait a minute. He's not a nobleman yet. Right. He doesn't even right. know his brother exists. Right. But his right. brother, 
James is that corrupt nobleman who travels right. on that path. Right. Yes. Thank you for putting that. Because even uh-huh. though he was he was a shepherd this whole time, it was still sort of like he's not corrupt. Yeah. Yeah, and I had I had just put it back with the guy who she had tried to um, sell the sell the jewelry to. But I think you're right. I got that one wrong. But it was really neat to see Ruth again. Yes. Yes. I like her. She wins like Mother of the Year award, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Are they giving an Emmy for that now? That would be awesome. <laughs> they should. They're giving an Emma for that now. Oh. oh. And we'll oh. be right back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be. We'll be. <laughs> but uh, then we see Blue Fairy is apparently helping Snow, which that seems a little bit new. To um, the flashback. Seeing her is almost as rare as seeing David's mother at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Having Blue do a hatchet job, too. I was impressed with her uh, axe throwing ability there. Yeah. I wasn't impressed with her dress full size and not glowing. I know. Me too. And then her dress. looks real threatening. Full size and holding the big axe. Just does not look right. (laughs) But very consistent with... Our fairy lore in this, I mean, remember the Battle of the Fairies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Vicious little oh. creatures. <laughs> in a good way, I guess. <laughs> in a good way. And one of the vicious creatures that we get to meet in the same scene is the woodcutter who is known for a, hunting down werewolves. He's vicious in a bad way. He is vicious in a bad way. I did not like that man. He's the really bad kind of vicious, not the okay kind. I couldn't believe that David's sense of stranger danger wasn't a little bit more pronounced. Um, What with him being a shepherd, you kind of know when there's something dangerous around your flock. Yeah. And then he took a drink and it's, what? And he hadn't even been storybook David yet. Uh, It's true. Well, this this woodcutter, too, I want to dig more into his past. Mm -hmm. He's interesting. Yeah. This, um, first of all. Most people, when they think woodcutter, they're probably thinking of Little Red Riding Hood. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, in the French version of Little Red Mm -hmm. Riding Hood, the hero of the story is called a woodcutter. And he's the one who came and cut open the wolf and rescued Granny. With a hatchet. Yeah. And we got the reference to werewolves. didn't get Granny and didn't get Red, even though he opened up the wolf with a hatchet. So you know he's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, in the traditional German version or in the Grimm versions of the same fairy tale, he is not a woodcutter. He's a hunter in those versions. But most of us, it seems, tend to know the woodcutter versions or the French version. The other thing I thought of, though, a connection here is he, here they say he's known for hunting down werewolves. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe Snow recognized him because of that, because Snow at this point has already been a friend to Red and seen Red's abilities and known Red is basically a werewolf. So she's not just a princess without a kingdom. Yeah. She's also a friend of werewolves who eat their boyfriends. (laughs) Hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered if that was was where we were in uh, in her personal timeline. That made sense. And I thought the, I suppose we aren't there yet, but the inside of his little wagon there uh, spoke volumes to his character. Like I thought that was seriously creepy. Yeah, he's definitely creepy. It's like a white unmarked van, but back then. (laughs) And even that should have made David question some things, but I guess he accepted the the explanation that he was a 
a peddler or a merchant peddler. or something. Yeah. And it was interesting because there's nothing on the outside of that carrot of his his cart. So when he said, oh, we hit a bump and that fell out. How did it fall out with that lock on the back? I think he attached the cup once he had it back to the outside somewhere. Oh, I hope so. Right. Because otherwise mm-hmm. that should have asked, should have begged some questions as well. <laughs> David should have known better. Between this scene and the next scene in the flashbacks with uh, David and Lassie packing up, we mm-hmm. learn about Lawnborn is where both Snow and David want to go. Lawnborn was also referenced back in season one. It is where Rumpel said that he and Balefire were going to go to sell some things at the fair when uh, the, the the army guy found Rumpel and did the whole, you know, uh, oh, hold on. Wait, where is this? <laughs> I know it's coming. Oh, oh, it's not on my soundboard anymore. Oh, that is a oh, sad no. day indeed. Back when he did the whole kiss my boot thing. Yeah. Right. That was when Longborn was first referenced. That's so interesting because Longborn is, it's not a name to be bandied about casually in a, a writing <laughs> world. And, and the writer on this episode is, she's She's great. Yeah, Jane Espenson. Um, but Longbourn is Elizabeth Bennett's home in Pride and Prejudice. That's the name of their estate. And so any anyone who's been a Jane Austen fan is going to hear that and their ears are going to go, what? And I, I can't imagine that there's any connection at all between those two things. But it is an, it is an odd choice because okay. it's so iconic in that world. Because that would have to be in some sort of fictional London. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean it's it is uh, out in the countryside, so it fits, you know, visually. But but mm-hmm. that's just well, it could be some know. little thing. The fact that there's Jane Espenson and Jane Austen, both oh. last names start with a vowel. <laughs> what is happening? Oh my right gosh, now? you're right. <laughs> <laughs> this means something. <laughs> Half Life Three is confirmed, you guys. <laughs> I know. Oh, I can't wait to tell my kids about the conspiracy. This is awesome. But I'm I'm doing some searches right now. I don't see any other actual practical connections between no. Jane Espenson and Jane Austen. Nope. Uh, I couldn't find any. But maybe they anything. did get that idea. Yeah, from the Jane Austen. It's a pretty name for a place, I suppose. Yeah, like don't name your kid Longborn. Thank you. Yes. But exactly. But it is a pretty name for a place. It is a pretty name. For while David is out and then uh, Lassie comes and says, Timmy fell down the well, <laughs> we get to meet the woodcutter from David's perspective. And boy, he has such a great personality, doesn't he? And and he's so good <laughs> with pets, too. He's probably great with kids. Make and a great wolves. babysitter. Yeah, and wolves. And by great, the whole time I thought he was going to kill David and take his fine animal. Yeah. I thought he was going to kill the animal at one point. Yeah. It made me very nervous. Yeah, I thought that as well from when we first met the dog. I thought, oh, no, mm-hmm. man's best mm-hmm. friend's going to die. Because <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. know anything about this dog later on. Yep. 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 It made me very nervous. But, hey, maybe he's in a forgotten kennel that's underneath the animal clinic in Storybrooke that nobody knows about. And he's just down there and they can find him. When Blue Fairy is talking to Snow and trying to convince her to go back home instead of running away, Blue Fairy said, home is where your family is. That's interesting because 
Snow actually said, or Mary Margaret back then, said that same thing to David back in the episode Tiny. Home is where your family is. Snow got that then from Blue Fairy. Hmm. I liked Snow's, even though it's not accurate, I liked Snow's expression of where her mind was in regards to love at that point. Hmm. Love not holding its value. Yes. I thought that was a nice a nice moment since we're so used to seeing uh, different variations on Snow White being kind of syrupy, although she never has been, I don't think, in in Once Upon a Time. But it was it was nice to get that. Oh, this is a twenty two year old girl who is freshly broken up with somebody in college and is having I hate men parties in her room and <laughs> and here now you guys can all see what that looks like minus liquor. But yeah, she. I thought I. I was really. I was really surprised to hear that come out of her mouth, and I did kind of do a double take. And I, without I, having I, taken a forgetting potion. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, they did give us a big hint to who the woodcutter was right here when Blue Fairy said, "Danger can look harmless at first. I mean, after all, the woodcutter looked harmless at first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His car looked harmless. Wait, no, it didn't. It looked harmless yeah. on the outside. <laughs> it looked kind of harmless on the outside. It looked a little unmarked white van. Wilby looked harmless, but I'll bet he Will be killed David's father. That's where this is going, you guys. Crackpot <laughs> theory of the night. <laughs> so with the help of the shaggy DA, uh, the woodcutter uh, does find snow. No, the DA is David's father, not his dog. Whoa. That's true, Ooh. because <laughs> King George was the DA in Storybrooke. His stepfather, or his, his not even. evil stepfather. His, yeah. his twin stepfather. Evil step just ties together. Evil stepsister, evil stepfather, evil stepbrother, evil stepmother, evil step whatever in Poor a fairy steps. tale. Yeah. If you have All a step, step before your name, might as well add evil to the beginning of that as well. <laughs> In fairy tales. Yeah. In fairy tales, yes. But nonetheless, he yes. did catch snow very easily with the help of the dog. Mm-hmm. And then Snow did something very unsnow-like, more so even than the way she talked about love. She spat in his eye. Yes. I don't know if we've ever seen Mm-mm. any other character of the show spit. We Ooh. might have. But I would not have voted Snow most likely to spit in someone's eye. No, I think somebody spit on or spat upon uh, gold. <laughs> oh, that could be. Yeah, I'm thinking I think, that But too. I think it was a while ago. But you just kind of feel like fair. Yeah. Fair <laughs> game. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting, though. Yeah, I don't think we certainly haven't seen her do that. Well, so David then stumbles upon all of this and discovers that there's someone trapped inside. And one of the things that stood out to me is... Here's David, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somewhat freshly learning how to use a sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is probably his first kill. Mm. You don't know who's tried to take his sheep. It's a rough countryside. Mm. So why didn't his heart turn to darkness? Oh, wait, that yeah. was so a couple seasons ago. Maybe, was he not a hero yet? Where's that third way, you guys? <laughs> yeah. Well, and is it is it is it going to, does it turn your heart? to darkness if you're doing it to defend somebody else well that's been the eternal debate of the middle seasons of this show yeah right was there ever any kind of conclusive decision made by them 
<laughs> well, they never pulled Emma's heart out and looked at it, but mm. they talked about it like that was what was happening. Right. Mm. Yeah, the, it seems generally the way they're doing it on the show is that if you're killing in order to protect someone, mm-hmm. then there's no darkness involved. But if you're killing with malice, then there is right. darkness involved. Like that's when, where the debates have come in because Emma killed Cruella believing she was defending her son. She was defending mm-hmm. her son. She had no way of knowing the crucial information. Cruella can't harm anyone, blah, blah, blah. And right. we've had others, even this season, Regina saved the Charmings by killing. And they implied for a minute, thankfully not for long, that that was going to start turning her heart dark. But it didn't actually. The only person we've seen have their heart turned to darkness for killing was Snow when she killed Cora. And that was, I would say, out of malice, not out of defense. It was, mm-hmm. well, this is a way to defeat her and save someone. And get so, revenge. Yeah, and, and yeah. So yeah. That, that original killing on Snow's side, I think, makes sense for darkening her heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> this was where I had... Not not even a serious quibble. Like, I liked the story enough that it was fine, but the whole, if you see my face, there will be a target on your back thing. I, I was like, why? How in the world? <laughs> like, nobody's going to, it's not like he's going to go tweet about having seen Princess Snow in the woods. I don't know how anyone would know anything. Like, whether he sees her or doesn't, it it, it might put her in danger, I suppose, but it's not going to do anything to him. So, you know, he has ignorance. So if someone says, did you see this woman? And they pull out the wanted poster. He's just going to be like, well, no. But it doesn't put a target on his back unless they can tell in his eyes that he's lying. And they try to get her location, which will have changed by the time anyone talks to him. I think that was Snow's way of convincing him not to see her. Yeah, but there... was not she, she afraid? Uh, I think she was afraid of someone else seeing her and realizing who she actually is because she probably realized, wow, there are all of these posters of me everywhere. This guy probably knows who I am if he sees my face. And so I I really can't risk this anymore. I just need to get out of here. Yeah. But, But I also thought it was funny that he gave her the key and the lock's clear on the other side of the door instead of just taking the lock off and still waiting until... He left for her to come out. Yeah. But it gave them a nice little opportunity. All of this gave them the opportunity to not know that this was actually their first meeting, which was kind of fun. And their hands loved each other at first touch and had a little baby tree thing. (laughs) And that's how it happens, kids. (laughs) That's why you should never hold hands with someone unless unless you're married to them. (laughs) Uh, no we got some uh clever feedback here from meredith of everett washington she said 106 the shepherd now makes more sense it's pretty clear that rumple intended for charming and snow to meet during that robbery fall in love and eventually make emma so he'd have a savior for his curse but i couldn't figure Mm. out how he'd know that they were the right match I've always believed that he simply relied on his gift of prophecy to know about them. But what if he was watching Snow in his crystal ball while they were talking? He would have seen the sapling spring to life, 
which would have told him that he had to get these two together again. Nice observation, mm-hmm. Meredith. I like that. Mm-hmm. And while we're talking on the subject of saplings sprung from true love, special thanks to our heroes who make this podcast spring to life from their true love of the podcast. Thank you very much for your kind support of the podcast episode after episode. So for this episode, I'd like to thank Lisa Slack, David Newland, DJ Firewolf, Amy Cavalier, and our 26 heroes on Patreon. Thank you very much for your kind support of the podcast. We could not do this without you. I mean, after all, without you, there would be no little sapling of the podcast to grow. Without you, there would be uh, no coins to help us to save the farm. And without you, uh, then there, the There'd podcast— be no creepy paddy wagon full it, of shackles. Exactly. So free the podcast from the shackles. Free yourself from the shackles. Reach your hand out through that little hole in the wall and drop a few coins in over at (laughs) oncepodcast.com slash hero. You are our heroes. Even if you can't see our face or we can't see yours because it might put a target on our heads. (laughs) We uh, yeah, or our backs. Uh, targets anywhere. Wherever. Don't like them. We are very grateful for your support of the podcast, and we couldn't do with it without you. So big thanks to our heroes for this episode. And if you would like to be a hero too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Coming to the present now, this is the first scene of the episode. Now, by the way, interesting that we got no previously on Once Upon a Time. Now, they've done that sometimes before, I think for the sake of time. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad mm-hmm. they didn't. In fact, the week before, and I forget which plot point it was, but sometimes what they choose to pull, even from other seasons, to put in the recap spoils where the story oh, yeah. is going. They're Absolutely. like, oh, well, if you're reminding me of that, then I know what's going to happen. If they show what's already happened. Yeah, if they show any scene of Ariel, you know, oh, Ariel's going to be in this episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, water. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like if they'd done a recap and they started showing us the River of Lost Souls, that would have been ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh, I liked this scene a lot. Mm -hmm. Did you notice the subtle brief shadow of the evil queen on the curtain? She's got this iconic silhouette now, and they made good use of it with shadows and light. And Mm -hmm. the sudden, I imagine, first I thought she went into Snow's dream somehow. But I guess she must have magicked them to the middle of the forest. Yeah. And that's what it's, I guess, like if you wake up by being magicked into the forest. <laughs> you don't necessarily notice all the smoke. You're just in the forest. Yeah. Comfortably sleeping the, the on the ground. The light behind the tree. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was shot so beautifully. Actually, I thought that several scenes in this were shot really, really mm-hmm. beautifully. And I just, I love that when they get that kind of atmospheric look right, mm-hmm. when it's really done right, it looks great. Yeah, so much of the production of this episode was good. Even like the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and I might mention this yeah. later too, but I, I love soundtracks. So it's even possible that if a movie has a really, really good soundtrack, and not just a good soundtrack, but a soundtrack that really communicates the emotion that mm-hmm. this is supposed to be felt. I've actually made the mistake of saying, oh, it was a great movie when it was actually a horrible movie, but it had a fantastic <laughs> soundtrack. <clears throat> Dragon Wars. <clears throat> <laughs> 
And this was an episode, though, that had so many pieces going for it. It had Mm -hmm. the great production, the great writing, great acting in this episode, and a great soundtrack to go along with this. I mean, the music during the montages and different scenes, the production, Mm -hmm. the lighting, a lot of it, the moods, the emotions Mm -hmm. that were felt with this episode, really, I think all of these pieces together are what combine to make it one of the best episodes ever, maybe, of Once Upon a Time, certainly of the season and the last couple seasons, I think, mm-hmm. as our listeners are saying. Yeah, the Charmings yeah. were relevant again. Yeah. Like, in a real way, yeah. not as supporting characters and not, like, finding bums on the beach. Like, it was... <laughs> which is kind of not exactly what happened, but that's all that I think of when they're off. They go on these adventures, and they're, it's just like their date nights get ruined and yeah. stuff like that. But this yeah. was real, and it was really, truly about them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it mattered, and it was great. And so many tiebacks to the pilot episode from mm-hmm. the first season. Like, even yeah. in this first scene, when the evil queen is saying you have 12 hours to figure out whatever this something terrible that's coming. Remember... Back in the pilot episode, when the curse was coming, (laughs) Emma asked, where are we going? And Regina said, someplace horrible. (laughs) I know it's not exactly a tie-in, but it does remind me a lot of that. Because here is Evil Queen with some kind of major threat. And look back at season one. It was Evil Queen with the major threat pending. Someplace horrible, Mm -hmm. something terrible. Well, even when she said that, they were on the way, but... But even the waiting for the curse and not even saying what she was doing, mm-hmm. just showing up at the wedding saying, you get today and then I'm going to start destroying all your happiness. Yeah. And the suspense is kind of her thing, even if she doesn't really have a plan. But in this case, she did. And yes, it's it's good. It was where we've believed the show could be. I think. Do in a you lot think of ways. she had a complete plan that the plan that we see all the way at the end is the plan that she actually started with? I don't think so. I think at this moment in the episode, Evil Queen mm-hmm. was simply thinking, I want to crush their hearts. Yeah. Oh, you think so? Yeah. I, I thought so too. Uh, because there is a moment mm-hmm. in that scene at the cemetery when mm-hmm. you can see the Evil Queen in the background. She's wringing her hands, getting ready to mm-hmm. pull the hearts out but at the same time she has this look of disappointment on her face and mm-hmm. then they cut to the camera closer to her and it looks like she has some moment of ah i know what i'll do instead <laughs> and i think that's when she decided to do the sleeping curse yeah and doesn't she have a line something along the lines of um it's too easy or it would be too not painless but but I don't, killing you would go easy on you. You need to suffer. Yeah, something like that. And there was something in there. I can't remember what it was. What is she really if she's not getting her revenge? So getting it in an ongoing basis, just like Regina with the dark curse, yeah. that's kind of her thing too. Because once, mm-hmm. if she just kills her or kills them, well, it's done. over. Yeah. She got nothing left to do. We even saw that in the episode Welcome to Storybrooke, one of the other best episodes of Once Upon a Time, I think. That was, that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but in that mm-hmm. episode, we got to see Regina seeing the curse affect everyone day after day after day. And the first day, she was like, oh, this is wonderful. I could get used to this. And then she does. And she doesn't like it all that much. And that's when she decided, I, I need someone to fill this hole in mm-hmm. my 
life, this void in my heart that can never be filled, at least not this season. (laughs) (laughs) See, Maleficent, when she said that, wasn't actually thinking of multiple seasons. (laughs) Or a redemption arc. (laughs) Arc schmark. (laughs) And you know what's funny? As we've talked about the taking of Snow's heart, I had totally forgotten that David had half of it Mm. until she Uh said it. And that's another one of those things that I love. They're playing on the mythology that they've already created. They're being perhaps even more aware of their own mythology than I am, which is always nice as a viewer. (laughs) It's like Jane Espenson, the writer for this episode and several of the other favorite episodes in the past, It's like she's a master fighter. A master fighter knows the weakness of their opponent and exploits it. Now, what Jane does with the story is she knows important elements or certain pivotal things about the overall mythology of the show, and she knows how to exploit them like she did with this. I'm sure when Mm. they did the heart split thing a couple seasons ago— They had nothing like this in mind. And even back then, I remember our saying, oh, come on, really? People can split their heart. And then we saw in the last season, Emma was like, oh, I'll split my heart and give half to Hook. And so that way he can come back with us. Yeah, some some eye-rolling moments there in the past. But I'm so glad that didn't work. I'm still happy. (laughs) But here, it's like Jane realized, guys, we've got solid gold right here that we can use for this incredible story and incredible crisis that we can put people in in order to make for an amazing story. It's nice when when you can see them take that kind of Easter egg that they left for themselves and really make it work. Yeah. It's a it's a nice writing moment when that happens. And speaking of nice moments, Zelina is having a nice motherly moment with baby Robin there. She was all normal. Yeah, and really minding her own business completely there like you look at her and there's there's nothing wicked about what's happening there (laughs) (laughs) nope well you don't know she might have started getting the baby um used to like vegemite or um yeah offend all the australians in our audience go right ahead oh man that's like half my craft lit audience right there well i was gonna say vodka but i think that that's actually would probably fall in more in the evil category since we're talking about a baby so and vegemite is something that you actually can get kids used to from an early age yeah honestly i probably like vegemite but i I digress i actually partially like anyway we both digress Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, what what i think here is zelina like especially looking at this scene she kind of seems to be the type now that while she had her wicked days now Mm -hmm. she's kind of like i I just i'm ready to put all that aside i just want to focus on little pistachio here i don't think so i think the next time she really gets that wicked streak going she's just gonna threaten to kill someone if they don't keep her baby alive because that's a great trick that she just learned from little sister and then she's gonna go out and be wicked but she was she seemed very insistent about wanting to have just kind of a normal life post robin with hades you know when hades kept saying no we can rule and she oh i thought we were just gonna settle down and live with everybody else even though you're a god 
she never really seemed to clue in, but that that always surprised me about her. I think she was on a good path until Evil Queen well, showed up, and I don't think she's yeah. totally off of it, but right. she's pretty well-adjusted. She's just like, oh, well, you look like you're having a good time. What terrible things have you been up to? <laughs> it's true. She's very blasé about it now. Yeah. And it was a bit of a creepy conversation between Evil Queen and Zelina. Yeah, they had to make it weird. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. Back at Granny's, this time we're outside Granny's instead of inside, discussing the juice of lost souls, or would that be extract of lost souls? I don't think it's either of those things. I think it's water (laughs) from the river of lost souls. It's insta-death. Well, rum wouldn't do that, that, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite line! (laughs) (laughs) so uh, the last time we saw the water used it turned the person completely into water of course she was already dead maybe things work differently in the real world she didn't have any leaves to lose that's true (laughs) yeah and the same thing happened as well to pan when hook put the heart that had the river of lost souls into pan in the underworld Somehow I forgot mm-hmm. that whole thing, too. I totally forgot that that's how he did it. Yeah. You're good. But you look at, I think, if you were to go back to uh, the previous season, all of the Underworld stuff, I think you would see the whole idea of the River of Lost Souls kills plants. Remember, nothing would grow in the Underworld until love started blossoming. Oh, true. I, I think I know what Gold would say to this but I would like to know how much water did he bring back and also how and when. Hmm. Hmm. Well, apparently he doesn't have to bring all that much because it was just a little drop that killed that tree completely. Completely and obliterated. That yeah, you could take just a simple little drop and obliterate mm-hmm. the whole town, maybe. Well, mm. I don't know about that. I feel like she'd have to run around with an eyedropper mean like, and you get a drop, and you get a drop. <laughs> it could be like Ice Nine in Kurt Vonnegut in Cat's Cradle, where once the water touches other water, it poisons that water. Oh, yeah. That would be dangerous. Maybe. Is it weird that I kind of want to see her use it on Storybrooke? <laughs> there have been lots of times I've also wanted to see Storybrooke destroyed, just because it's really cool to see something destroyed. <laughs> That's the guy in me, I know. But there are, think about... Well, it's also, when something big and risky like that happens in a story, it's a turning point in the story. And for years, yeah. we've wanted a big turning point mm-hmm. in the story. And even when we've had them, we've gone back. Well, And we've seen back in season two, we saw that uh, this curse was going to destroy Storybrooke, mm-hmm. but there was the fail-safe. And that stopped everything. Mm-hmm. So Storybrooke was not wiped off the map and replaced with the forest and only Henry being left there alone. Right. Yeah, you probably forgot about all of that stuff, didn't you? Man, I <laughs> did. Holy smoke. But I really doubt we're going to see this water used again to try and threaten the town because Regina is getting what she wants now. You mean That's true. evil queen? Yeah, evil Regina. And evil Regina, yeah. yes. And I and I don't really want to see that happen. I think they're doing a nice little thing with Storybrooke now. Mm. Just staying in it. That's a good thing. I, I think it's only fun to destroy stuff if you can drop it out of a ninth floor dormitory onto concrete and record the sound of it hitting 
I think a television set, for instance, dropped from that height sounds really, really good being destroyed. <laughs> well, all right, this is then. what people did at the dormitories when I was in school. But not whole cities, right? No, no. Well, that's, you know, trickier. I it's guess... hard to put Los Angeles up on the ninth floor of the dorm, but... yeah. You could play an episode of Once Upon a Time on it while it's falling out <laughs> of the window. Make it go boom. <laughs> <laughs> when Hook said the rum never, uh, rum would never do that to you, hmm? my ears pricked up because I knew that there was there was something connected to Ben Franklin and rum, a uh, very pro-rum statement from him. And it turned out, I went looking for it. It turns out that when... Um, actually, the Hamilton part of the Revolutionary War. So it's when when Hamilton was off commanding his people and Washington was actively losing at that point. They're having a very hard time keeping soldiers in the American army, in the Continental Army. And part of that was because they weren't paying them. Hmm. So Franklin thought that they needed some discipline. And the way that he decided to get them disciplined was to tell them that if they went to church... He would give them rum on the way out. <laughs> and suddenly the army got religion in a hurry and rum. And I thought, well, Franklin, Franklin knew what he was about and, <laughs> and helped to win the war with rum. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It was also probably safer to drink rum at that point than water, quite honestly. Oh, yeah. Because it was not not so purified. Yeah, there's a whole thing about why sailors are so well known for rum is because mm -hmm. water back mm -hmm. in the pirate days, uh, they didn't know how to keep water preserved. <laughs> back in the pirate yeah. days. So, it, went, it went bad on ships. Yeah, and uh, instead of them then drinking this horrible water, they would have rum and they'd actually have rum rations. And interestingly, I think it was up until the 19... I want to say the 1950s or 60s, uh -huh. maybe, or maybe even 1970s. But um, one of the other countries still gave rum rations to the hmm. Navy, even though wow. we're in the modern age where water preservation is known. And, and uh, I can't remember exactly. Regularly practiced. But it's basically sometime here in the 1900s. I like, well, we're not in the 1900s anymore, <laughs> Toto. Back in the previous century when dinosaurs when, roamed the earth. When Daniel forgets what century we're in. It's easy to do. No, it's, it's so, it is so true. There's, um, there are all sorts of funny run stories and, and, and water stories as well. But that was one of the reasons that the uh, pilgrims got off the boat where they did in Massachusetts was the, the guys who sailed them over on the Mayflower were just sailors. They weren't Puritans themselves. And so they didn't really get along very well. Mm -hmm. And they got, they got blown off course. It was hurricane season. They got blown off course. They were heading for Jamestown. They wind up in Massachusetts in the winter. And they're trying to find a place to land their little, little rowboat. And they can't find one. And the, the guys who sailed them over are really not happy with all of this. And then they cut off their rum ration. <laughs> and that was when William Bradford said, this rock here looks really good. <laughs> and there's Plymouth Rock. <laughs> well, when the rum runs out, you may as well get off the boat. Why has the rum always gone? And, <laughs> and speaking of getting off the boat, snow has gotten off the boat of hope. At least <gasps> yes, it seems. So good. Which, uh, when we see snow and charming walking there and talking, that moment 
it recognized mm-hmm. here, snow is kind of the icon of hope. The whole theme of Once Upon a Time is hope. So this mm-hmm. is a huge moment to see her for once in the entire series actually basically say there is no hope. She has finally won or she is going to win. We cannot defeat her. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what about the situation felt more desperate to them than others that they've been in. Well, I think in this case, it's hand over your heart or everybody dies. (laughs) And there's no other option to that. And they realize, well, Regina has this extremely powerful weapon. So, yes, she is able to make everyone die and everything in Storybrooke die. And the Mm -hmm. only way to save that is sacrificing himself. It seems there's no other way. And that's why they've given up. There is no third option. And... Another thing that this scene highlights is something that I've noticed in other episodes this season. Snow's looking around. She says, all these people, so many people. Yes, there are people in Storybrooke <laughs> everywhere. There, there are extras in the parks. I, I mean, by extras, I mean other people, you know, from the Enchanted Forest or the Land of Untold Stories. They're, they're not alone just sort of wandering about this ghost town fighting whatever evil thing is there. It's actually a town full of people that they are protecting and have been all these years. You just couldn't see them for mm-hmm. some reason. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Extras were expensive. They took the the money that they're saving building other sets in other realms, and they just paid people to, to walk the streets of Storybrooke. I think it's fantastic. I've talked many other seasons about why are there no people in this town. Yeah. <laughs> other than the heroes <laughs> well and i would think these are people from the land of untold stories because at the end of the last season david said that's everyone that went through the door back to the enchanted forest that gave me the impression all the visitors though uh well when you oh, say visitors you oh uh, well i uh, i don't know i still think the town has a lot of people that just live in it yeah that came from because some of them just seem too well adjusted to be all from the dirigible the one airship. Mm. Okay, yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that. Like, where are you even going? You just got here. What do you do? You know how to live in this world, but people who've been in Storybrooke for both curses definitely know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They have friends. Back in Emma's kitchen, they're talking about the the water from the River of Lost Souls, and this seems like the ultimate bad weapon because everyone is saying. There's no way to stop this, no way to neutralize it. Blue Fairy can't find anything. Belle can't find anything. The Savior can't think of anything. Regina can't think of anything. No one knows a way to defeat this. And I am happy about that because it means all of those people who fell into or were pushed into the River of Lost Souls, Mm. there's no way to rescue them from that. They have been ended or they're trapped. They're prisoners, basically, of the River of Lost Souls. And that makes you very happy. Well, it makes me happy that, it, <laughs> that it's consistent. Storytelling-wise. Yes. yes. No, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise they should start to think about, all right, how do we get Rumpel to get us back to the underworld so we can go neutralize mm-hmm. the whole river and get everybody out of it? Mm-hmm. And that's just a whole season that we don't really want to see. Yeah. <laughs> it is an yep. undefeatable weapon, but it's a weapon that did, they didn't have to defeat. As crazy as it is that both James and Mila ended up in that river. 
Yeah. Well, one in the river and one in the bay that apparently is tainted with the same river, but whatever. Uh And Gaston also. And yes, yes. And Peter Pan ingested it through the heart. Yes. And others as well. James did end up in there, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where we start hearing Bell's current views on Rumpel saying that he's not acting like the man he could be. How do we feel about that? Because this is kind of what I said was possibly going to happen after he was so horrible and possessive and ugly. In this episode, he was timid and Belle was a little more... She was harsh, man. Yeah, she was harsh, but not as harsh as she has been. But at the same time... Not that when you're watching a show, you should have to worry about which episode was written by which author, but Jane Espenson is sort of the originator, as I recall, and sort of the expert on Belle and Rumple and their relationship. And I almost feel this is more authoritative as far as the current state of things than maybe some other things we've seen, as well acted as the horrible showdown on the docks was. I'm not sure. I think they might be looking at that more as a moment and not as the whole. It could be a bit of a Samson and Delilah thing because he did cut his hair. (laughs) (laughs) And then his lower lip starts to quiver. And I don't know. There might be a connection. That's funny. I think that what we've seen, like that fight they had on the docks, was, Mm -hmm. I think, fitting for the character development because Rumpel has been on this path of making all kinds of wrong decisions Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. Bell is saying, basically, he, I've seen him do better. I've, I know he's capable of making better decisions. I mean, anyone mm-hmm. really is capable of making better decisions, maybe to a point. I think there is, in a way, a point where you can sear your conscience so much that you can't really just easily repent or do an about-face uh, morally it takes a lot more work. But I don't think Rumpel is necessarily beyond that point of no return. Yeah. Who maybe, can say? maybe not. We'll, we'll discuss him a bit more later on. But uh, here we got, I think, some of the best faces from Once Upon a Time when they were discussing <laughs> the, the supposed chemistry between the Evil Queen and Rumpel. Uh, another classic half defeated by the weirdness reaction from Emma. <laughs> now, for your enjoyment, in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 270, I captured two animated GIFs of Emma's face and Hook's face. Download them. Those are hilarious. Make your own memes with them. And Henry. Think about that for Henry. Yeah. M- mom and grandpa. You. Yeah. This family got even weirder. Well, I'm not sure if Zelina and Regina even know that Rumpel had a thing for their mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, they're going to explain all of this at some point, and Zelina's going to be there saying, Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> the other thing about this scene. As they started talking about the magical sapling, which all the stuff aside as Blue Fairy's explaining this, it's almost like 
there's still a very active fairy community doing fairy things, always making preparations, never quite in the on the front lines except that one time when they attacked a castle. And that she talks about this this magical sapling that they knew was in the enchanted forest and they thought it's like they've spent a significant amount of time talking and thinking about this sapling but we've never heard about it before because they now believe that it's lost somewhere in the enchanted forest i mean in in storybrook and i don't know why they believe that i guess those questions are pointless but <laughs> well she did say something that the first time or first couple times i was watching this i needed to pay close attention and i got it wrong the first time mm. but um she did say from the first spark of a true love yes not from uh-huh. the first spark of true love oh so no i know it, it's not that snow and charming were the first true love ever no i didn't take it that way but apparently there have been these saplings for <laughs> generations they've been lost or used up or burned or whatever and it just so happens that the one that they've been the the protectors of or, or suspected not protectors of but suspected was in town was the same one maybe the enchanted tree from which they made the wardrobe that took emma to our world was the product of a sapling that was the product of true love what from happens, way, way, way back in the Yeah, past. what happens if you get two true love saplings together? I, <laughs> but, well, but aside from all the sudden knowledge that Blue had of this sapling, I would love, mm-hmm. and maybe I should send a tweet to Jane Espenson and ask, what was your discussion in the writer's room or your thought process around the word sapling? Because it was used mm, not very many times. And the first time, David goes, a baby tree? At what point did we decide that the audience was too dumb to know the word sapling? Well, I think <laughs> what I thought made sense with his saying that is the product of true love was a baby, Emma. So for David, he's thinking, wait, I thought the product of true love is a baby. So you're saying a baby tree? I think that should be the product of plant true love, not human true love. I think if you'd used your line reading, Daniel, it would have made more sense to me at the time. Now it's all clear. Yeah, yeah, because saying it just like, oh, you mean a baby tree? Is Yep, yep, yeah. David. Very good. That's You were paying attention <laughs> in vocabulary class, wherever that was. But, I wondered what was up with that, too. But even through the rest of the episode, I mean, like when Hook and Emma talk about it, they don't call it a sapling. They call it a baby tree thing. It's odd. I just found it kind of funny, but kind of very strange. I, I thought, well, did, were there people in the writer's room who didn't know the word sapling? And so they all got really concerned and wrote it differently. Or so I don't know. I just I I'm very curious more than critical. <laughs> I yeah. But I, I will possibly in the future when referring to a sapling just call it a little baby tree thing. <laughs> and wonder if it's the product of true love. And everyone will look at you and go blink blink yeah. blink blink blink. <laughs> Wait a minute. Don't you think a sapling as a product of true love is a little sappy? <laughs> Oh, 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 ouch. (laughs) Let's talk about crows. 
<laughs> yes, somebody fill me in on the crow thing. Yeah, so since season one, Regina has always been associated with crows, but we've never actually seen the crows. And not just because she ends up eating crow, you know what I mean? <laughs> we've always, we've, I think, always heard, or maybe most of the time, have heard crows in the background whenever we mm-hmm. see Regina. Even good Regina in Storybook, often in a scene, there are crows in the background. Well, for all of the times that I've pointed out Regina's crows, we finally get to see one. <laughs> awesome. Took them a while. Yeah. Uh, but with Taco Tuesday going on inside of Gold's shop, I I had to wonder when we were doing the initial reactions, I mentioned that I wasn't really sure Gold was into this or was Regina like throwing herself on him. Evil Queen, that is. Uh, not actual Regina. But um, rewatching this, well, it's obvious Gold is into it. Re- Evil Queen, I keep wanting to say Regina. Evil Queen was not forcing him. So he seemingly did choose to progress. That would be a whole other plot line. Well, you look at Mm. the past things when Evil Queen has made her advances on Rumpel. He's just Mm. been Mm. standing there basically like, you're ridiculous. It's like she's kissing a wall. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But now he's the one kissing the wall. Hmm. Something. Well, not quite a wall, but the wall's kissing back. Yeah. And she has fabulous hair. <laughs> Maybe we should take this someplace more comfortable. Yes, like a bed of lies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Zelina. <laughs> so you think Zelina is jealous of Rumpel's affection? Like Zelina is thinking, wait, I wanted him. Now you're stealing my boyfriend, the guy I had a crush on. Do you think that's it? Or do you think she's jealous of what? Even Evil Queen is getting someone to love? And I loved the devil, but he's gone. So I don't get anyone to love. <laughs> what, what do you think is her basis for jealousy? Because we see her turning green. It's obviously envy with her. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little baffled by that one. I couldn't tell if it was. If it was just that she, that Evil Queen was having a connection to somebody, because Zelina's been, she's been looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, whether it was um, playing Robin Hood for a fool or getting played by Hades, she hasn't had a really good track record, even when it comes to familial love, because Cora, eh. mm-hmm. and then her, her relationship with, with Regina has been so uh, complicated and messy and now duplicated that um, I, I started to wonder if it wasn't just something like a connection, which led me back to the first time that we see her in this scene where she really does appear to be just normal bonding with her baby. Mm-hmm. Cause I was a little surprised by her, her reaction to uh, evil queen and rumple too. Having gotten the note thinking that evil queen wanted her to see them. Why would she think that? That, like, what would the goal be? To show Mm. off, maybe. Yeah. Yes, but that's... And be evil. Really, really weird. I would have thought. Really immature. Like, if that... Women are weird, though, right? (laughs) (laughs) You said it, not me. (laughs) But if that really were the thing that was happening, like, if Evil Queen really was like, I'll lure Zelina here to see us, that's really weird. So I don't know why she would even think it, but yeah. Well, while all of this is happening and distracting everyone, 
they cast that beacon spell and find the the little cavern there. I think this is next to the troll bridge because if I remember correctly, that is where David was found. Mm-hmm. And this is also where August took Emma at one point to talk. And that's when the whole, you know, oh, leg stents or right. something like that, when he was turning to wood and, and hmm. he was having to make excuses for that. And also, I believe this is the same area, I'm pretty sure of this one, the same area where Ruby found Catherine's heart buried in a box. Oh. So this area has gotten all kinds of well uh, stuff happening. Not Catherine's here. heart. Yes, not Catherine's heart. Or maybe it, we never did really figure out whose heart it was. But she was alive after that, I think. Yeah. Which, yes. <laughs> those were those were the the longer parts of season one <laughs> murder suspicions. <laughs> yes, yeah, so trapdoor and cavern again was this created by one of the curses, just like the forgotten crypt we got earlier yeah. in the season. <laughs> and, and there's a guy down in there who is forced to listen to make your own kind of music over and over <laughs> and over every 108 minutes. <laughs> and in case you're wondering. No behind the scenes here. Yes, that song was the inspiration. That scene from what we're referring to was the inspiration for the theme song to our Clean Comedy Podcast over at cleancomedypodcast.com. Watch out for an announcement coming from that podcast, by the way. Uh, a good announcement. Uh, that one. <laughs> He's saying that as much for me as he is for you. <laughs> this is probably where I more noticed Snow losing hope. Charming says, you think it's a sign that they were led to this place where she rescued him? And she says, I don't know what to believe anymore. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But she knew it was good to be on an adventure with him again, which there again, they've tried that a few times, but this finally felt like it. They were also very smart magic there, I have to say. Yeah. And who knew that that spot was like out across the bay that we see (laughs) all the time? I would have, I thought that was just like the ocean. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah, I thought that area, the bridge and everything, was uh, farther away. Or like on the, the other bay. side of town, yeah. outside town, yeah. but far, like Inland. the other direction. Yeah. 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 So while Regina is going all smoke monster and taking them down there, <laughs> we see Hook have this this precious moment, I think, with Emma. Yes. And this was so Beautiful, wonderfully written, just to see the love, the the concern, mm-hmm. the support, and to see, basically, like, say, Emma, this is why you shouldn't keep secrets from your family. Because <laughs> when you reveal your secret, then, guess what? You get all kinds of amazing help, and you get... Shush, 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 shush. <laughs> story time. With Hook. I mean, who doesn't want story time with Hook? seriously he could read the phone book and i'd be fine oh well oh no he has a beautiful voice (laughs) that's funny he can read anything including a storybook i loved that scene so much and it made it made a lot of their relationship um settle with me Hmm. that i'd i'd gotten to the point where i was um Every time that there was a, a lie or a, a secret that wasn't being revealed or a I promise and then you can't keep the promise, it was getting a little old going back and forth mm-hmm. with them. And and then this scene and you go, oh, I forgive you. 
<laughs> it's nice to see them be good for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And actually have a reason for being in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how really, important really nice. things like that might be <laughs> to a story. And, and important for people who are married and who are running around after children all the day, all day long and after jobs and commuting and traffic and they should have story you know, date time. night, date night or story time <laughs> or both. Yeah. It's important stuff. Except for the way he ended the story. <laughs> and they're in love today because you brought them together. She had to bring them together because she went to the past and kept them from meeting. Well, yeah. <laughs> so he tried to make that part poetic. And he's like, and you totally succeeded in fixing your screw up and keeping your parents from meeting. So you're very important. Well, I think <laughs> what he's saying here, I wonder if this is a bigger part of the story and telling us how key Emma still is to things. True love can break any curse and so can you because that's what you're made of. You are the savior because you were born of their love. And they were in love today because you brought them together. You, you can overcome these visions. You can overcome anything. Now remember who you are. product of true love so emma needs to remember who she is a sapling (laughs) and snow and charming also have to remember kind of who they are and that's what enables them to have the courage to do what they needed to do it seems like that theme through this episode to remember who you are Mm. it makes me wonder might this be that Emma is the key yet again to breaking this curse or to to defeating the evil queen. <laughs> yeah, there there could be a how it should have ended for this episode based on that scene. David yeah. falls asleep. Emma goes over and kisses him on the forehead. He wakes up. Well, and and that is a theory that we'll get into <laughs> later among a couple other theories about how to wake David up. I, I thought you you were heading towards that the scene had to end with uh, Peter Cook coming on and saying "mowage." <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Since there, Wow. There were a couple of those. There's an "as you wish." Yeah. Or, yeah. And uh, and then there was a scene which did at the end make me hearken back to Peter Cook. Also, in this next scene, when they find the sampling, there was also. Mm. Uh, I think kind of a Princess Bride reference back when Regina and Zelina were talking at Zelina's house. Regina was basically saying, oh, I've got a lot to do. I've got my wife to murder. I've got a kingdom to destroy. (laughs) Yep. Or that's what it was from (laughs) the Princess Bride. And she was basically saying something similar. (laughs) I thought so, too. Yep. When they find the sapling, David and Snow, that is, You notice both of the times we've seen this happening, uh, both in Enchanted Forest and here, it looks a lot like a wand. Mm -hmm. So does that mean this can be a way to kind of channel at least some of the power of true love in the same way that a wand is supposed to be able to enable them to channel certain kinds of magic? I guess we'll never know. Until it's turned into powder. Yes. Because it's broken and turned into dust. But magic never is destroyed. Magic can only change forms, remember? Mm. Season four. So now we've got magic dust like 
fairy dust. <laughs> yeah. So is Rumple going to be down in that cavern scooping it up? That's what I was just thinking. Oh, maybe. Have, have Blue Fairy go down. That little montage, though, that when they both touch mm-hmm. the sapling, oh, it, it almost made me cry each time <laughs> it I was watched beautiful. it. beautiful. Yeah. The flashbacks are uh, from the pilot, from Snow Falls, from A Land Without Magic, Lady of the Lake, The New Neverland, Snowdrifts, and There's No Place Like Home. And this episode. Yes. As they figured out. Right. I, lo- I really, really liked that. And I also liked what the writer did with playing on it not being the memories for them. If you were a watcher, Daniel, who has watched very closely, you probably got that one of those memories stood out differently. Mm-hmm. And later on, when they both clue into the fact that, wait a minute, they never get to finish the conversation, but they never saw each other. And that was that was just a beautiful piece of writing with the the coin transfer. Yeah. And and it did stand out in the montage but not hugely. It wasn't like uh like mm-hmm. they put spotlights on it. It was really nicely done. And if you think about that moment, she saved his mother's farm. Mm-hmm. And he showed her how to survive. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. helped her see her resourcefulness so that she didn't leave the enchanted forest. And, and think, her kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what then turned her to become Bandit Snow. Yeah. That she mm. had this knowledge from, I think she learned a lot of skills <laughs> from uh, Red and from some others, but she didn't really put it together and put it into action until now. And I think Bandit Snow is my favorite snow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm going to retract my statement earlier about snow walking up to the nobleman and saying, hey, would you like to buy some jewelry? Um, as being kind of lame, because if that was, say, her first week of being out on her own and not knowing what she was doing, then that was absolutely in character. Mm-hmm. She couldn't go any further than that until she learned from David that she could, she could do it. When Regina came, she said, read a book, pick a flower, rage, rage against the dying of the light. <laughs> Just do it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> a little Dylan Thomas for everybody. Yeah. Yes, it was it was lovely and I actually went I'll put it in the chat window so anybody can. Yeah, we'll have it. a link to poets.org where they have the copy of this poem over there. We can't put it in the show notes, but I mean we can't put the full poem in the show notes because right. it is actually still copyrighted. Hmm. But we do have a link to it in the show notes at oncepodcast.com/270. The poem reads, "Do not go gentle into that good night." We will not go silently into the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, wrong movie. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Very wrong. <laughs> Old age shall burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end know dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men the last wave by, crying how bright. Their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learn too late, they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see with blinding sight, blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay, rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. 
but do it yeah. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> well said. At the cemetery, which is a great place for endings. <laughs> Season series endings, maybe? I don't think it would be a great place to end the series. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you're the villain. Yeah, maybe they put the final villain to rest in the cemetery, but nonetheless. <laughs> in the final battle. When when Charming and Snow are there, they say that true love always leads them to each other and back to Emma. That reminds me and connects with what I think Hook was saying there in the vault, that he was saying, you can defeat any curse because you're the product of true love. You're the savior. And it goes back to Emma. Now back to Charming and Snow. Now back to Emma. <laughs> I think Emma is still the savior for Storybrooke. Mm -hmm. I think the savior shakes thing is not over necessarily, even though she's kind of learning how to control it, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. is great you know, to see how her embracing hope and embracing love and not the anxiousness, the worry. Mm -hmm. And with this whole thing of like the shears of destiny and all of that kind of stuff and the Aladdin storyline and the savior whole storyline there, I really think Emma is still the savior of this season. Yeah. Which really speaking mm -hmm. of that, she and Regina were about to do something. Do you think they would have failed? They could have spared everybody all of this, but the Charming showed up and said, stop, let's let her do her worst and then, you know, still be around and free to do more after we're gone. It was kind of, that was a little odd for me. It, it might have been kind of like their Alamo moment to say. Yeah, it was a Hail Mary pass. Yeah, we're probably going to die. We're probably going to lose, but we need mm -hmm. to still fight. We need to try mm -hmm. to stop her. Maybe there's some way we can prevent her from spreading this liquid on everyone. Maybe there's some way we can still save yeah. the town or defeat her or imprison her or anything. The little magic mm -hmm. tree thing gave them hope. So they were ready to face whatever was coming, mm -hmm. which really, if they had provoked her and failed, she might have killed the host. Yeah. yeah, And I think it was at this moment when Snow and Charming stepped up to offer themselves. And from the beginning of this episode, when seeing it, I thought, oh, when you start getting all nostalgic about love and the relationship between two people, that means one of them's going to die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've, mm -hmm. That's just a common story thing. Whenever someone starts expressing that. And the same thing, too. You know, whenever someone is going to retire from the force, they're going to die or something horrible <laughs> mm -hmm. is going to happen the day before they retire or mm -hmm. resign or anything like that. That's just a common thing. So here I thought, wow, they're actually going to do it. They are actually going to kill Snow White and Prince Charming. I was actually nervous. Good job, guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I cared too. Like that, that sounds terrible, but they're, their characters were being so, I guess, kind of pushed off to the side that I kind of had thought at times that, you know, something more interesting needed. Not that I wanted them to die. I wanted this. I wanted something more interesting and relevant to happen. But mm -hmm. but it was like, wow, this is actually going to matter. And it's something that I don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they were so willing to do this 
that that and Evil Queen just thinking all of this through, that she realized two things. One, this isn't really going to give me the, the satisfaction I want. And two, that she didn't want to turn Snow and Charming into martyrs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. She was kind of terrorizing Storybrooke like she used to do all the little villages in the kingdom yeah. back in the past. Mm-hmm. And so she's making this whole show of everything. But I do have one question. Sleeping curses mm-hmm. can now be placed on hearts and without anything even visible to the other people around, let alone any other form of delivering a sleeping curse from the past? Well, it was slightly visible, actually. When it was re- slightly. When Evil Queen was holding the two hearts, the, the half of the heart that she pulled from Snow actually still had a little spot of darkness it. In was it was big. I was confused. But then there was this kind of wave that went over both of them, and then they both had mm-hmm. darkness. And that little mm-hmm. wave, I think, was her casting the spell. Now, yeah, traditionally we have heard that the way to take the sleeping curse is number one, it has to be taken willingly. Oh, yeah. And number two, it has to be taken through a spindle. Even so far as back in season two, that David had to take it from a spinning spindle and he couldn't just use a needle. But since then we've seen people use needles and we've seen apples and, but you can things. be, you cannot know the sleeping curse is present, I think. And they, they let her put their hearts back in. Yeah. And that was willing. And they willingly gave of their hearts, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that part kind of mm-hmm. works. But, man, she did it again. She created the suspense. Mm-hmm. What will happen when you find her? Yeah. I thought uh, it would be something like Snow wouldn't remember David. Snow would hate David. I thought maybe she, because of the darkness yes, thing. Yes, I saw the darkening and I yeah. thought she was going to wake up and kill him. <laughs> or that uh, even before knowing that it was a sleeping curse, I thought with the whole darkness thing, she was going to put it back into them and turn these heroes, mm-hmm. the ones who are the, the symbols of hope and the originators of, of the savior and all of this, 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 this symbolic couple, she was going to turn them into the enemy mm-hmm. to then cause everyone else to tear yourselves apart. (laughs) Oh, come on. You knew that was coming. (laughs) But the way that they did this, I like this better because it's not Mm -hmm. just this, I'm going to use you to tear everyone apart. It's, I'm still getting my revenge on you, but in this, wow, really clever way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bugging me for the longest time. I could not remember what movie it was hearkening back to to me. And it wasn't a one for one correlation. But Lady Hawk has the when one is awake, the other one is in their other state in uh, Hawk or. Yeah, Meredith from Everett, Washington, also said that, that yeah. she was thinking of the movie Lady Hawk. Yeah, And she suggested saying, I think the way to solve the problem is for someone else to donate half their heart to Charming so that he isn't subject to snows anymore. I have seen more than one person say that, too, Hmm. which is brilliant. Meredith also said, but on that front, only Emma or Henry might be able to love them enough to do it. Or maybe the reformed version of Regina. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. It it that would be interesting. It has to be done in a way that's not mechanical. So it would have to mean something to the relationships and to 
the development of the relationships because mm-hmm. if it was just somebody, hey, yeah, let's let's rip out that half a heart. Let's split this heart and put the half in him, and then put take her heart yeah. out and put it back together. It just becomes like yeah, this weird, kidney. like musical hearts, and then and then they're like, there, we rejiggered everybody's hearts, and now there can be wakefulness among them all. Well, and at least it wasn't like musical worlds either. Where and I thought this would maybe be a setup for the story arc of this season would be. That we suddenly play like roulette with all of the magical worlds with Charming looking for snow across yes. all of these worlds. Where is snow? All of this stuff is Ooh. snow in the box. Is she in Pandora's box? Is she under a rock? Is she under a tree? Is she eating <laughs> great green eggs and ham? What is snow doing? Where is she? Um, but no, this this new thing, which amazing storyline, amazing mm-hmm. concept. I It works so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And even just the way that when Charming found Snow and the kiss and the sequence of the, the production there and the music and everything mm-hmm. with the true love music in the background and the way that the, Mark Isham composed that a little bit differently here and just so good. Yeah. Now, Regina could yeah. have magicked them everywhere that they needed to look and they yeah. could have found her much more quickly. However... The Ford is pretty much David's new horse, and so he was charging across the countryside just like he did in the pilot Mm -hmm. looking for her, and then he stops Mm. and he runs (laughs) through the forest. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, but but having Mm -hmm. having that sort of iconic moment twisted, I thought she was just not going to wake up or something bad was going to happen, which I guess it did. The only thing about it for me is that it feels like they've been more separated in the past because they they'll be awake in shifts, but they can be pen pals, <laughs> and then like they can. But they take, can't have adventures together. They can't have adventures together. But I think that they have enough hope to know that they'll break the curse. They even kind of said it, like, as long as the curse is in effect, you can't both be awake at the same time. I think it's it's like the difference of I'll use Krispy Kreme donuts as an example here because. Uh, I don't know that Krispy Kreme has been mentioned on Once Upon a Time yet, but Henry, hey, you got to check out Krispy Kreme sometime. Uh, <laughs> I think like with Krispy Kreme donuts, my favorite donut, I think they're the best donut. Rhett and Link also agree, best donut in the world. Wow. Uh, someone sent me a giant candy cane recently. Hey, if you want to send me Krispy Kremes or a gift card to Krispy Kreme, that'd be great. But that all aside, <laughs> think about a Krispy Kreme donut. Maybe <laughs> your mouth is already watering. Now mm-hmm. imagine one in the room with you. And mm-hmm. now it's very tempting. Now imagine someone is holding the Krispy Kreme donut right up under your nose, by your mouth. You can smell it. You can practically mm-hmm. taste it, but you are not allowed to eat it or taste it. It's, so this is hell. Yeah, it, it's so close, but you can't have it. It's much mm-hmm. easier it, when it's not so close. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. If I know there are Krispy Kremes in the other room, I'm far less likely to go get one. If there's a Krispy Kreme right in front of me, I want it much more. I mean, we know this from when we're kids, or if you have kids, you know your kids are like this. They don't want something until they see it. But I think that's what it is for Snow and Charming here, is that they're being so close, mm-hmm. but yet just one degree of completely disconnected that's worse than if they were worlds apart it reminded me of the way that baz lerman directed the last scene in his romeo and juliet which is not the way it's written but it's i think it's the right way to do it that juliet 
wakes up as Romeo dies. So they have that moment of like two ships that pass in the night kind of thing where they see each other and recognize each other and then realize what's happened. And then he dies. Hmm. And it's it's awful. Hmm. I can't imagine a worse feeling with either the death thing, which is pretty darn awful, but even knowing that you're cursed and you don't know what the solution is. And here's this person who you love, who you just reconnected with because you just went on an adventure and even said, gosh, it's great to be doing that. And then you lose them. That's pretty lousy. It is. I think the people who can relate most would be couples where they each work and they have opposite shifts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. One with a graveyard and one with a day shift. It's kind of mm-hmm. the same thing because they can just decide through letters who's going to be awake when and they can just kiss each other awake and then go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's all text messages, your entire relationship. Yeah. That's the baton. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, yeah. uh, Gio Pena sent us two suggestions on how the curse could be broken. <laughs> they started off saying, you guys keep me watching once upon a time. Thank you for that. I have a couple options on how the Charmings could break the shared sleeping curse. We've seen variations on true love's kiss throughout the series. Since there's no restriction mentioned in the past, such as there can only be one true love at a time or something similar, wouldn't a kiss from Emma on either her dad Hmm. or mom work? Maybe. Doesn't even have to be a kiss on the lips, after all. Uh, Gio continued saying, another option and this is one I'm not particularly fond of, is for them to kiss while in the red burning room or in a Morpheus-style dream situation. It was a setup created at the beginning of the season that there are loopholes to the sleeping curse once again. How? Well, they have found ways to communicate with people while under the curse. Mm. Under the curse. So, yeah, maybe the Burning Red Room might play part of this. No. Yeah, that's so season two. (laughs) Probably more like Morpheus, (laughs) as much as I hate to use that name. Well, so what if they do kind of bring that back and Belle and the baby are able to somehow help Snow and Charming because of Morpheus's power? I don't know. I can't imagine how he would get into their dreams unless he really is Morpheus. Um, Mm. I can Mm. imagine a rather comical situation where they're all in a room and like one of the Charmings is asleep at all times, but they keep needing to alternately talk to them until they just keep kissing each other and falling asleep and waking the other up and they're just rainbow flashes constantly (laughs) and and they're, they're figuring things out, but it's really trying and speaking of trying, Rumple <laughs> and Belle, uh, well, Rumple is trying. I don't think Belle is really trying that much. She's still giving him the medicine of truth. <laughs> yeah, and, and he does open up for the first time a little bit in this, and he, I think he was cut off when he says this. The things I do that are driven by the love of my son. Now, you hear that voice. Now, I cut it off because that's when Belle started talking. You hear that voice. It sounds like he's about to say something else. By the love of my son Mm -hmm. and the love of you. I can totally see that. And I think she can totally see that, too. And I think what she said still stands. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That just he said it so many times and he continues to do such 
horrible things to everyone, including her. And then, so which is it? Is is gentle, timid gold the real one? Is it you're going to love me because you need me gold? Or is it both? I think when Belle really like hit hard and broke down all the walls like a wrecking ball, <clears throat> I think... When she said, if you want your son's love, be worthy of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That like just shattered this whole thing that Rumpel does <laughs> with all of his magic and with all of his power, his control, and brought it back to original Rumpelstiltskin from the Enchanted Forest, the weak coward that makes cowardly decisions for the right reasons, but still wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. And this has crumbled him down to that state for a moment. And that's why we see him then suddenly basically on the verge of tears mm-hmm. saying, what if I fail? Mm-hmm. And barely able to say. Yeah. I thought she was going to call him a coward. Maybe we've just been over the coward thing enough, but it's still, that's kind of the side of Rumple that we're seeing again. Mm-hmm. I think weak is almost worse. Yeah. Yeah. Too weak to be good. Yeah. Ouch. Because that gets, I mean, there's something about coward, especially these days, it probably would have been different back in the day. But to call someone weak, right now, women or men, just to say, "Mm, weakness isn't, um, weakness isn't something I would want to accuse anyone of because I would have to duck. And I'm not that fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was really harsh. I thought she was really harsh in this one. And I know he's been a screw up and all these things, but, and maybe it's just, I'm a sucker for Carlisle. Maybe. But he was so heartbreaking in the scene. They're so lucky they cast him. Yeah. But yet after this moment where he broke down and I would think, okay, a, a repentant person who has just, had their walls broken down, they've been convicted of what they've done wrong. They acknowledge it. They've accepted it. I would think a repentant person would then crumble into tears under the gravity of the situation and the consequences of their choice and realizing, yeah. oh, wow, what have I done? What have mm-hmm. I done? This is horrible. But, but no, that's no. <laughs> <laughs> not what he does. He just no. very briefly, Zalina. Sorry you got caught. Yeah. Yeah. And and hello, interesting dynamic number 14 for this season. Like, yep. So he's going to be after Zelina. Yeah. I mean, it may uh-huh. not play out this way, but so he's after Zelina. He's kind of sort of involved-ish with Evil Queen, but she's trying mm-hmm. to play I'm the good sister. Well, good for you. Yeah. And... Maybe Regina also wants to protect Zelina. Maybe Zelina, who knows which direction everybody's going to shift with that. Maybe Zelina will end up back with the good guys because of it. Yeah. And then which side would Rumpel be on? Mm -hmm. We may never know. I do want to let you know about some schedule differences for Once Upon a Time this month, November 2016. The next episode, 608, does air this upcoming Sunday, but then they are taking off the Sunday before Thanksgiving in America. So that's November 20th. There will be no Once Upon a Time. So thus, there won't be a podcast that Sunday night and there won't be a podcast that Wednesday. 
I am personally very grateful for that because that's the, <laughs> that would mean no podcasting the day before Thanksgiving yep. and no <laughs> trying to publish a podcast episode. And our great editor, John Buchanan, from AudioEditingSolutions.com, he wouldn't have to try and edit the episode on Thanksgiving Day for us to publish the day after we record our episodes. Or we'd have to have an altered schedule. <laughs> yeah. Or... Uh, but Once Upon a Time then does return the Sunday after Thanksgiving, November 27th. And then what seems to be uh, the winter finale will then air on December 4th. So we've got Once Upon a Time this coming Sunday, not November 20th, back on November 27th, and then on December 4th, and then a hiatus. Now, to start preparing you uh, for this, I don't know exactly yet when Once Upon a Time will be returning. Uh, I would guess still probably back in March or April. But if Mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time returns in January... You probably won't hear my voice on the podcast because Noodle Baby is due near the <laughs> end of December. So I will probably Woo! be taking the month of January off. So if anything important once upon a time related happens during January and February, you might not hear about it from the podcast because we're having a baby. That's why. <laughs> so it's a good excuse. Lot, well, some of us, some of you. Yeah. I, some of us are having I, a baby. I already did that. <laughs> I, I done done it. <laughs> So we would love for you to continue the conversation on this episode by going to the show notes where you can also get the links, photos, and such at oncepodcast.com slash 270. Please also go there to share this episode out. Click those Twitter buttons, Pinterest, Reddit, Google Plus, if you ever use that anymore, Facebook, all of that (laughs) stuff. We'd love for you to share the episodes out because it's a great way that you can support the podcast. Another way you can support the podcast, even if you never get to send us your feedback or uh, you've got nothing, no theories that you want to share or anything like that, you can write a review for the podcast in iTunes, and it really encourages us. And we got a review from Amcert23 from the United States, left a five-star review saying, my favorite, the best Once Upon a Time podcast I have ever come across. This is a podcast that I look forward to listening to every week. Overall, fantastic. <laughs> thank you very much well, for that you. kind review. We really appreciate that. You can get the link to write your own review over at oncepodcast.com. And if you're in a country outside of the United States, don't worry, because we use a special tool that does let us see the reviews from all of the countries. So if you're in that country where there are no other reviews for our podcast, hey, you could be the one and only person from that country who listens to our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. So write a review for us in iTunes, and I'd really appreciate that. And it encourages us. The link to that is at oncepodcast.com slash 270, along with all the show notes and everything else with this episode. Please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast and connect with each of us individually. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I am Heather Ordover on Twitter as at Mama O. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers and staff making each episode possible episode after episode. So special thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll hear a very short spoiler segment in just a little bit from them. Keb for masterminding our timeline. And thanks to my fellow co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Heather, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting this podcast with me. And until next time, remember, knowing you believe in me means I'm not alone. And thanks for listening.
Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you would like to be a hero too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast, episode 608, I'll Be Your Mirror. Emma and Regina formulate a plan to trap the evil queen in a prison of their own making, while Snow and David adjust to life without each other. As Henry nervously prepares to take Violet to the school dance, the evil queen impersonates Regina to give him some advice that could lead him down a dark path. Meanwhile, Zelina agrees to help Belle, and together they enlist Aladdin to steal a magical object from Mr. Gold that could protect Belle and her unborn child from him forever. It's written by Jerome Schwartz and Leah Fong and directed by Jennifer Lynch. So a lot of storylines. And if you remember some of the filming shots that came out around this time of the episode when they were filming this one, the magical object in question is probably the lamp that we saw. Yes. So we got tons of guest stars. We do. We have Beverly Elliott as Granny. We have a few of the dwarfs, David Avalon as Doc and Gabe Cuth as Sneezy. We, of course, have Karen David as Princess Jasmine and Dennis Akdenis as Aladdin. We also have C. Ma as the dragon, who we haven't seen since the season five finale. And then Olivia Steele Falconer is back as Violet. So no one actually really knew new. Yeah, no one completely knew. No one out of the ordinary, yeah. But we got a promo. Which was a kind of a cool one, I yes, thought. Yes, it was. It was. So it starts off with curses. It's what Evil Queen is good at. Yes. And, she's, and she seems to be really good at those. She she is. We've definitely seen that over the past few years. Uh, but Snow White realizes that the Evil Queen is watching them through the mirrors because you see a moment of Snow actually throwing something and shattering a mirror. Yes. And Emma and Regina figure out the best way to trap the Evil Queen is to trap her in the world behind the mirror. But the evil queen gets to them first and traps them. Yeah. And then we it looks like we're going to actually then see, of course, the world behind the mirror. And it looks kind of weird. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. But we do see then a ginormous dragon, which is probably the dragon's real form. And we then also get a cutscene of the evil queen telling probably the dragon because she's speaking into her heart to kill Emma and Regina. Yes. And then you see them looking up at what I believe to be the dragon. Yeah. So maybe we'll get to know the dragon a little bit more and find out who exactly he is because he's been around for a while, but he's kind of one of those characters we don't know a whole lot about. Right. So we got a few photos. Oh, yeah. Very, very few, and none of them really give away anything. No. So you see Henry, he's in his suit, ready to go to the dance. And the only reason I got that is because I read the synopsis. Right. (laughs) Um, Rumpel's back behind the spinning wheel. Yeah, he seems to be spinning quite a lot. Yes. Uh, You see David holding baby Neil and Snow holding baby Neil, but not together. Right. You see the dragon just standing there. Yes. And then we do have quite a few photos of Rumpel just standing around his shop. Yeah, and one of Aladdin. 
Yeah, it's really not a whole lot to look at this week. No, but we got a script tease. We did. And you know what? I'm going to let you play Captain Hook. Okay. So you're going to read the direction? Yes, I'm going to read the direction. So <clears throat> goes to embrace her. All right there, Swan. <laughs> riveting, riveting. Riveting. Yes. We don't right. have a whole lot else in the way of filming shots they're still working on uh, the very first few episodes back from winter break they're beginning i believe episode 614 here pretty soon um and the only thing really to mention is that morpheus the actual baby bell's actual child will be getting a real name and their current rumor is that it will be gideon okay did we so. see a Gideon already, or is that another show I'm thinking of? <laughs> we haven't seen a Gideon, so he's not named after a dead person. Okay. Like every other child born <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yes. But we'll hopefully get some more stuff soon. Yeah. Like casting, well, not even casting calls, but people who've been casted as different characters. Yes. Hope, hopefully we get some more stuff soon. Because guess what, guys? That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's all we got. <laughs> That's all we got. Um there really wasn't much out there this week. So we're sorry, but ABC hasn't released anything. So I guess I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Traveling Pixie. And I'm Jacqueline. You can follow me on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, Oncers. Oh.